Yo, I thought you guys were going to write up a blog about the whole trip. So what happened was... <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. This one day, Usad drops her laptop. No, 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 no. Okay, wait, 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 wait. There's, there's way... Okay, so... Once upon a time, there was a young boy with many dreams named Ahmed Mustafa. Oh my God. He soon I think became, I've heard of him. He, yes. No, you might have, especially if you're listening yeah. to this podcast. Ah! Oh, yeah. So, um, a young boy named Ahmed Mustafa soon became a man because he had responsibilities. A mature voice. And a mature <laughs> voice. Yes, that too. Um, anyway, so... There was this agreement and even like selfie kind of talks at the beginning of the trip where we were mm-hmm. like, oh, this is our gear. La, la, la. Let's do it. Like we it. Legit. And we, we were going to do kind of a blog thing. And I was like, hey, let's do a vlog. And you're like, yeah, that's a great idea, says the wife of Ahmed Mustafa, mm-hmm. known mm-hmm. as we saw Jabril. Fast mm. forward to after the trip. And then we saw it's like. I don't want to and Hasad, so I don't want to post the blog no more. And I was like, oh, but I wanted no, to we do were. the blog. And she's like, okay. We're going to do the video. So we, let's we, do it. Let's do, do that. It. And then she finally comes around because this happens sometimes where we'll agree on something and then she'll disagree and then we'll come back and agree on it again. And it's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> and so we agree on it again. And um, we saw puts in the SIM card into her computer with all of the videos from my GoPro. Um, and was so it your GoPro or my GoPro? My GoPro. Your GoPro? Yeah, mine. So my GoPro uh, pictures are in her computer. The SD card's in her computer. And then we have her GoPro and then the camera. So we have a lot of footage and stuff. Um, unfortunately, though, the day we she put my SIM card in, we were both going to sit down and do it, but then I had to like get back up and go to work because it was kind of a lunchtime thing. That SIM card stayed in the computer for two weeks, at which point... We saw story starts, mm-hmm. and she drops the laptop and destroys mm. the SIM card. Wait, and it conveniently, like, like hits the SIM card slot, and then crushes the SIM card. And the, the, the messed up part, it's a SIM card within a SIM card, right? It's like the Those SIM card and the, and the converter reader, right? So it had all of the protection, and somehow, it got shattered. But for two yeah, weeks Yeah, you're prior, right, we saw that is That is very convenient, we saw mm-hmm. Very convenient for you and that it would fall precisely at the angle needed in order to destroy the SIM card. Right. Oh and my god, are you insinuating that like I did this on purpose? What and, the hell? And, and for the two-week period it was in the computer, there would be the occasional, hey... Maybe we should take that out. Maybe don't leave it in your computer. Maybe, maybe no. Okay. My hopes, my dreams, it. the perspective it's of my whole. It's all adding up. It's all. It's, it's all making s- sense now. It's all making sense. Now. So. But I do well, love how you started this whole story in the middle of it. Of like, yeah, she, yeah. So I dropped my laptop. <laughs> no context. Nothing. <laughs> he was like, oh, "Weren't you guys gonna do a blog?" So, so yeah, no, I just I broke. We I dropped the laptop and broke the SIM card. Uh-huh. No, <laughs> there is intention and subterfuge in this story. <laughs> I hate you guys, but yeah. So that happened, and I mean, a lot of other things got deleted too. So it wasn't just 
the um the that but yeah it was really it was actually quite um after that devastation we couldn't go on <laughs> Welcome to Third Culture Block, a podcast where we talk about the experiences that have led us to art and who we are today. This is Mohammed Ismail, Ahmed Mustafa, and I'm Saad Jibri. We've received a few requests to introduce ourselves and our journeys. If you haven't already, check out last week's episode to hear with ourselves. Today, it's my turn. What is my earliest memory? My earliest memory... Like the earliest thing you can remember. Is me... My, the earliest thing I can remember is me going into the family house in Libya, calling over my cousin, who would have been three, and I was four, and then taking him over to a cat that I found outside on our piece of land. And she had just given birth and was, as a result, extremely protective, even though we were a fair distance away. And I just remember standing there, just enjoying looking at the cat and her kittens. And then the cat just went, (laughs) freaked out my cousin, the poor kid. And he just started sobbing. And I just remember looking at him and smiling like, (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) What a memory! (laughs) No, I mean, that's funny, actually, that your first memory is in Libya. So did you go to Libya almost immediately after you were born? Because that's what happened to me. Like, born, and then we went back to Libya for a couple of years. I was actually born in Libya. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born in Libya and then moved to the UK when I was four. Oh wow. Okay, so this is kind of like the last year that you were that you were in Libya. So, I mean, arguably yeah. the soonest you could remember. Yep. Uh dear listeners, I do promise you Ahmed and I are actually friends. He just didn't know that about me. I don't know any like you <laughs> on the Wasal <laughs> episode, like they had to cut out all my questions cuz I was like prompting <laughs> with like interview questions, but this time around it's like I just love the man that I have today, and I'm learning his story just along with you, listeners. <laughs> I pretty much just met Muhammad through we saw because we saw new Muhammad, and then we just it was it was a bromance. And then they threw mm-hmm. me out of the picture. You're here, aren't Wait. you? I mean, we didn't we didn't throw you out. We may have changed the locks. They... <laughs> you still knew and, where the house was. And then. <laughs> And then, after you threw me out of the picture, then you guys felt bad. So then, in not retaliation, but in response to, or in, like... To reconcile. Yes, reconciliation, you guys added me to the podcast. It was more of, hey, Muhammad pulled me aside and said, hey, I'm worried about your, your marriage, you know? Um, there's a lot more love between us than your wife, but, like... Wow! We're just... <laughs> It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true, baby. I love you. I love you more than breathing. <laughs> that's that's not true. That's true. You, you know breathe. that. You know that. <laughs> Ahmed is a good breather. Singers breathe greatly. It's amazing. 
My wife, you laugh? the Segway queen. I just, but I'm just saying, you guys laugh, but it's like, ask Ahmed. I suck at breathing. I mean, aside from the fact that I'm asthmatic, but like, I suck at breathing. It's true. She'll like, um, I hold my breath. every action requires that she holds her breath. Like, I, I don't understand. When I first, I was born in the States, went to Libya, uh, came back. My cousins tell me their earliest memories of me are just like getting plastic swords from the dollar store and yelling Arabic at them and chasing them. Like, <laughs> like the, the culture shock was a little weird for me as a kid. Even though I don't remember it, they remember it. Um, when we moved to the UK, uh, it was um, for, you know, in search of a better life. And um, at the age of four, obviously, I was too young to even start school. So it was, I didn't really get an immediate culture shock because I wasn't directly and consistently exposed to people who are, who are born here. Um, so I was very much, you know, still raised as a Libyan at home. Uh, but I just happened to be living in the UK. It was only really when I started school, um, I had to have an interpreter who would help me sort of understand the teachers, the other students. What? And I had, well, I didn't, I didn't know how to speak English, did I? Yeah. I, I could barely speak Arabic at the time. So, um, but after a couple of years, I, um, I was doing well enough to be able to carry my own. I was engaging with other students, with the teachers. And can I just say, uh, by year six, I was correcting my geography teacher's English. Wow. And by year nine, I was correcting my English teacher's English. What? Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like when you when you go someplace, you kind of, it's it's kind of like people who convert to a religion. It's like they suddenly know more about the religion than people born in it because yeah, they just study it. they're here for it now. It's like, this is your survival. 100%. This is your life now. Yeah. 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 And when it did happen, I actually remember, um, the classroom I was in when I corrected my English teacher and the kid in front of me, who was, um, a white kid, he turns around and he gives me this look of like, not bad for an immigrant. <laughs> and Whoa. I just remember just mm, honestly that really got to me because yeah. by that age I had just been I had become a British Libyan by that time mm. so in my eyes I was like I'm just like you mm. um, so for him to kind of turn around and kind of just give me that smirk and like hmm and he even like nodded his head like hmm not bad um I, but in all fairness, I didn't really get along with that kid anyway. Mm. I, I feel like that's huge as part of, like, from what I know of you now, you know, I, I got to pretend like we're actually friends now. Uh, and I know things okay, and sure. I know yeah. and I know things about you. So <laughs> well, I feel like <laughs> right now you're super um, like words are super important to you. And like etymology is super important to you and rediscovering kind of, like your Libyan words account. You're very much. Look at all these words that exist in Libya and all the definitions and circumstances associated with them. I think words have become a very uh, like important part of of who you are kind of today. I think there's there's a huge tie in there, especially with you writing now. Uh, the odd thing is writing is 
the latest thing to come out mm-hmm. of it. So it's it's quite interesting to see how or why uh, it's it came out after all the other things I um, I delved into, be it uh, drawing, photography, videography. Right. It's only recently that I've really enjoyed writing. I've I used to in the past uh, just write like a digital diary that I had on my computer saved. Every now and then I would just write something or a thought. But to have a more disciplined approach to it has been a very recent thing. Yeah, I mean, and it also sounds like it's kind of the most vulnerable thing for you. Maybe hindsight 2020, but I feel like that makes sense for you to be developing as an artist and then get to a point where you are comfortable enough to start exploring kind of these, the the word-based kind of art because Mm, it's mm. been so personal and... um, close to your heart for so long the odd thing is um when i do write now i lean back on the visual arts that i've been developing for a few years to the level where and i'm sure lots of writers do this but it's made my life a lot easier when it comes to writing i will sometimes close my eyes and visualize the scene Mm. and i will just scrutinize the whole thing so I will look at it, I say, okay, so how's the character sitting? What is he sitting on? What's in front of him? What's the lighting like? Um, are there any sound elements within this scene? So things that I would take in consideration if I was to film this scene. Mm-hmm. So then when it comes to writing, I will mention the lighting in the room. I will mention any sound that you could hear. I will talk about the material um, in the scene. Um, it all helps paint a picture within the reader's mind, right? But the more useful detail you give them, the better. And I honestly feel, had it not been for my, in my case anyway, had it not been for my videography background or even my photography background, I would have struggled to describe certain scenes. And it like, it does, do you find yourself, like when you, when you are paying attention to details or when you're walking in the street or something, like do you find yourself paying attention to details now specifically for the writing like are you kind of like converting into like okay you have your like photography eye videography eye on but it's on so that way you can be inspired to write it's a bit of both actually where i'll be walking in the street and i'll see a beautiful scene and i just have to take a picture because of the lighting because of position of the subject etc but then in the back of my mind i'm also thinking Oh, that would be interesting. Um, I literally had a thought when I was walking um, the other day and I passed a building and the building gave me an idea for my story. Um, And it was also a beautiful Mm -hmm. building. So visually, I'm taking it in um, and my mind is like, oh, that's a beautiful picture. But then it's also saying, oh, that would be a good element to add it to the story because of that and that and that. Mm. So cool. Wait, so you mentioned that there was like drawing I mean, you read my mind i was yeah. just about to throw like that we talk, in there. we're talking about the videography and the, and the photography and like mm. to a certain extent the writing but you mentioned that there was drawing that happened and i also kind of want to revisit this whole smarmy youth kind of sm- <laughs> smiling at you because i feel like that really is a it's kind of a window into <laughs> developing your sure, identity as sure. a british libyan you know uh, developing as a as a you know, I had no idea that you had an interpreter growing up. It was only for a couple of years. Um, 
But it was at the time I didn't really think much of it. I just thought, oh, I have somebody to help me. It wasn't. I never once remember thinking, why am I the only kid who has this? But going back to your point about the drawing, it was a very fleeting moment. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, all I remember is I would sit at a very specific spot at home and look out the window. Because from that viewpoint, I could see this car that was always parked outside our house across the road, and I would just sit there and draw the same car, and I did that many times. Wait, so is this like a young thing, or is this like a? We're talking maybe six, seven years old. Oh, oh nice. Okay, so this is like I learned English. All right, time to conquer <laughs> the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, I started drawing this car, and I started exploring 3D drawing. And again, um, just to kind of reiterate Wissal's sentiments last week, at the time I thought it was incredible, but if you were to see the picture today, it's like yeah, a six-year-old drew that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a. I I really when you said that last week, Wissal, I was like, yes, I uh, I know exactly what this feels like. <laughs> But I do remember going into school and drawing a 3D car and it blowing the mind of the kid sat next to me because he was like, oh, dear Lord, this is real. This is virtual reality right now. I can touch the car. It's real. <laughs> That's how intense it was for him. Yeah, that was a big moment. Very impressionable on me. I remember it till this day. So you've always had an attention to detail. Because it's the same as the elephant drawing. Um, it To you, it looked really, and to others, it looked really like, wow, that's a real car, or that's a real elephant. Because you were able to, at a young age, pay attention to details that usually, probably kids around your age don't. So even if it didn't look like an actual, actual car, but because you probably inserted details here and there that the human mind doesn't think to pay attention to that's what made it kind of feel real at that age yeah you're completely right you don't really pay attention to those details so when you see them it does sort of create an explosion in your mind where you see a whole new perspective so for that kid who saw that 3d car for him it was like Oh wow! I've never I've never thought of drawing a car like that. Even though you see it in reality, you don't really think of of drawing a car like that until maybe much later in life. A very vivid memory of mine was when I was in school, and I was in a music class, and I was playing the recorder. And we were playing Three Blind Mice, right? So Three Blind Mice, mm -hmm. Three Blind Mice. See how they run. And yeah, it was a very, very simple song to learn, right? Now, your boy <laughs> was not the most interested student at the time. And I remember the teacher asking us all to play in unison. Mm. And we did so. And the teacher was like, Something doesn't sound right. <laughs> One of these and kids she, is not like the other. And, the, <laughs> <laughs> and then I just remember her telling everyone to stay quiet. 
And she picked on two or three of us and she just got us to play one by one. When she got to me, I was like, three blind boys, <laughs> three blind boys. <laughs> and I remember her saying, yeah, you need to leave now, okay? Wait, so, what? <laughs> wow. You were banished? <laughs> I, was, I was banished from the kingdom. Oh my God. But six-year-old or seven-year-old me was like, oh, cool. That's great. I get to play outside during lunchtime now. I don't have to play with the recorder. That's, Finally. I am, that's wild to me. The fact that, yeah. that you, you just were like, oh, cool. I'm bad at this, but I didn't care anyway. See ya. <laughs> like for me, nice. it feels like you teed yourself up for this like traumatic childhood experience in front of the whole class. Nope. I, I sang about two blind mice instead of three, and then like, <laughs> you're like, playtime. <laughs> that is not how. And that it is gone. all she wrote. That is all she wrote. <laughs> No, for me, I would have cried. I was like the baby. I was a, a baby sensitive person. So, like to hear like your resiliency at such a young age, I feel like no wonder you're able to travel by yourself and just kind of set out and have such trust in what's going on. I think it was because for me, I just was not interested. Mm. The very the the funny thing is, I've actually carried this trait into adulthood, mm. where if I'm not interested in something, then I don't try. That is, a lot of the time, that is actually a very negative trait. Yeah. And I'm working on it, but I can now see where it stemmed from. It was the three blind mice, damn it. That's where it all started. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, like, when I see when, when I when I see that trait, it's like, oh, I'm bad at this, I don't want to try it, right? Versus, in this case, it was... Oh, I'm bad at it. And someone was like, you're bad at this. Please, please never return <laughs> Never Longbottom and just like go out. Um, that's, yeah, no, I, I, I don't really know what to make of that. But I, have you pursued music after that? I did not. I, I Actually, I did. I very briefly, uh, when I was 17, 16, 17, I picked up the guitar and I very quickly put back down the guitar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, again, I think I just, I wanted to be creative, but then I quickly realized music was not the avenue for me. It was not the outlet that I wanted to mm. explore at all. I, well, I remember like, uh, we, I remember talking about this before further proof that we're friends and we talk about things that um, mm -hmm. you were kind of sporty throughout high school and the way that that kind of manifested for you is that you would start doing all this like filming and stuff for like all your mates growing up and yep. that yep. just like fell by the wayside as you went to law school but then like was the was the breeding ground of your future career yep that's the that's the beautiful thing about life you go around in a circle mm. um but the way that that wasn't the beginning of my love of the visual arts, though, hmm? I would say it was when we moved to an apartment which had a storage room 
which was just stuck to the roof with National Geographic magazines. And I remember just opening that door and having that very distinct smell of dust just fill your lungs, you know? (laughs) It's an amazing thing. And then I would just flick through a few issues and I did this like so many times and I would see pictures of the natural world and I was like, oh my God. And it just sparked something in me. I was like, I want to do this. This is what I want. I want to capture moments like this. How did they get the leopard like that? What, how, like what angle and what sort of planning went into a shoot like this where Mm. they could capture a lion in mid-flight as it's jumping on its prey and it's just... For me, it absolutely blew my mind and it introduced me to the natural world. So then after that, I just got completely hooked on nature documentaries. Mm. And I was just consuming them at a ridiculous level. And every single documentary film I watched, it just further ingrained this love of capturing moments. That's really interesting. That's really interesting because... uh I would not describe you as like a nature photographer now. I think right now a lot of your your film is kind of life is breathed into them by kind of the the human element in them or like mm. the architecture element to them. Mm. So it's interesting that you mm. started with kind of this nature photography National Geographic docu series kind of um style and now your your style's like it's very different but um do you It's a documentary it's but still, it's yeah. It's human documentary. It's the street, right? Yeah. Mm. You're documenting the street life. Um, But it's the same genre in the sense that in the animal kingdom, you're documenting their daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what I I, I kept from that. But till this day, I still love nature documentaries. I don't care what's happening in my life. If a nature documentary is on, I will sit down and watch it. Like it's a deep, it's a deep, deep love and fascination with it, you know? That's fair. Yeah, I never really yeah. grew up watching nature documentaries. I, I mostly watched them when I was sick, just because they would, they were easy to follow, <laughs> and I would just like lay on the uh, lay and just watch them. But I, I have a certain kind of yeah. love for nature documentaries. I, I, I can I can understand that. I lived for Animal Planet, like the Animal Planet channel and Discovery yes. Kids channel. Oh. Well, because you're like a National yes. Geographic junkie as well, right? Yeah. I'm a National Geographic junkie, but also um, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And I, like, you talking about this, Mama's Married, it kind of, like, made me realize I didn't want to be a veterinarian veterinarian, and I wonder why I didn't um, turn into a goat. Like, I hated the sciences. But it was just, like, it was the documentation and, like, just, like, right. being around the animals and seeing the animals. And it's, like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Right, 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 right. <sighs> I want a 4K TV just so we can watch the the because like the quality of it now is just so great. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Continue. Sorry, I just <laughs> love this. Love this for you. By the time I was 16, I was very much sure I wanted to be a video cameraman and I wanted to go and shoot documentaries for National Geographic or the BBC that for me at the age of 16 if you ask me what I wanted to do that was it that's what I wanted so I picked up a job at my 
local supermarket and I worked there for about two months and I had made enough money to buy a camcorder. So I quit my job. (laughs) (laughs) My job here is done. means to an end. (laughs) Exactly. It wasn't a career move, honestly. It was just like, you know what, guys? I I was here just for the money. I did it for the money. Not Not for the love of stacking food. So... (laughs) (laughs) My job here is done. (laughs) So I quit my job and I purchased a Canon Mini DV camcorder and yes i am that many years old can't can mini dv yep canon so back in the day they came out with the technology it was like a format a video format these mini uh videotapes <gasps> yeah um and it was such an amazing camcorder oh my god i would take it with me to school i would take it to with me uh to football matches I would take it with me to my friend's house and we shot a couple of short films and my mind was just so engrossed in this whole medium that I was just... So looking back at it now, watching the documentaries was almost like the theory. Recording my friends and my everyday life was the practical side of it. So Mm -hmm. I was just putting into practice what I saw the professionals do. Obviously, to a standard, you know, of a sixteen-year-old, at, <laughs> right. at the standard of a sixteen-year-old, you know. But but I mean, to to your credit, I think starting at sixteen and trying to implement those, you're at the standard of a sixteen-year-old. Whereas people who are just like waiting for a career or a major or uh, something to kind of push them to start doing that stuff, they're 20 something starting at a at the mm. level of a 16 year old you know mm, like mm. you you had the wherewithal to jump in and just be like oh like i see these things and i want to do them and i i think i can identify what they are and the yep. in, the yep. internal artist of you was able to be like no bad no bad this is bad i know what good looks like this is bad bad ah a good moment yeah 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 a mini camcorder? Are you like, is it in a museum now? Do you, still what, have you have it? tiny tapes. What do you is still that? have it and have the tapes? <laughs> what a tapes! Do what you ta- have them? Put it. You can put it in. The I room. do have the camcorder and I still have the tapes. However, I need to buy a battery because the one which is currently on it is no longer functioning. Oh. So in order to view the the tapes, I need to buy a new battery for it. Mm. Get you a mini. But I, I genuinely cannot Boy. wait to 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 view the films that we recorded because <laughs> they were just so much fun. Honestly, they were just so much fun to make. Uh, we didn't really care about is the cinematography world class <laughs> and how was the acting because they were both rubbish. Mm-hmm. We did it because we loved it. It was so much fun for us. We did it. We it was a group of us, right? Mm. So it was about seven or eight of us, and we were out in the woods recording a film. That's amazing. Uh, Blair Witch Project. They stole it from us. That's oh, jeez. Right. Um, you heard it here first. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. I don't want this podcast to be sued. Copyright. For defamation. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually used to take videos. Um, like when my dad got a phone with a camera on it. Like, that's when we started taking videos. And I remember specifically, it was one of the Nokias that could pause in the middle of the video. 
And so we'd make all these like teleporting videos, like my siblings oh, and I. Oh, nice. And we, we tried to make like an epic fight scene in the in the backyard. And we used the hose to make mist and stuff. Like looking back on those videos, it's it's really bad, but it's so pleasant to look back on. So I hope, really hope <laughs> you get that battery. <laughs> You were very much not in, not considering yourself an artist until you decided to do art, which is like after college. Because I remember even when we brought it up, when we were talking about it a while back, you, even this like doing camcorder videos with your friends was a surprise to you. You're like, you know what? Now that you mention it, that does seem like a good mm. foundation for being a photographer for Al Jazeera, you know, mm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. or like getting into cinematography or whatever. Because before it was just like the boys, it was a fun the sports, activity. the the gonna be one of the big three jobs: doctor, engineer, lawyer. Like that was kind of your life, and then something in you changed. I, I actually don't know to to till this day, like what made you not pursue law like you finished law school and then like deuced and i have no idea where your brain was or like what made you make that decision because it seems rash from like an outside perspective but i feel like for you you act like it's you know the obvious thing for you to do at that time even though throughout your life it wasn't <laughs> really ever in the plan or the obvious thing at all you know what i would liken it to mm. I would liken it to being banished from my music class. <laughs> okay, okay. I was, I couldn't care less. So when I did finish law school, but then I got a job opportunity in the media field, I was like, I'm out, I'm done. <laughs> like, great, okay, cool. The way I saw it was my life just went full circle. And I was now working in a field which was somewhat related to my passions growing up. So moving away from the law field was, without exaggeration, one of the easiest decisions I've ever made in my life. Dang. It was never like, oh, wait, no, you know what? I've worked really hard. I really, because I've graduated as a lawyer, I therefore should be working as a lawyer. That was never, ever my mentality, ever. Gee. I've never had that philosophy in life of like, because you graduated in that field, you need to be working in that field. No, I graduated in that field. I learned what I learned from that field. It taught me a lot of life lessons. It did. There's no doubting that. Law is one of those wonderful degrees, by the way, even if you're not interested in being a lawyer, it sets you up for life. Mm -hmm. um, it, it teaches you the art of, um, of argumentation, uh, rhetoric, logic, giving presentations in front of people. So it's a very good thing to study, but it's not for me. Hmm. It, was there, did you have to contend with any like expectations from family-wise or? By the time I got the job in the media field, um, my parents saw that I was earning money and I was doing a good job. So for them, that's all that mattered. I, I think something that's kind of missing is um, that day-to-day -day environment that you grew up in and how that contributed to 
this wild, like, well-rounded human that is today, you know? Mm. Well, thank you. Oh, yeah. No, I think you're a big, you're, you're a cool cat. You're a bee's knees. You're a swell guy. You're a swell guy. You petal, you duck. Oh, hey, Whistle. Meanwhile, Sorry, Whistle, I didn't Whistle, see Whistle you there. In, Meanwhile, Whistle is in the background just like... She, like, actually threw up her hand. She was like, well, I guess I'll die. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> no. You're a pretty swell gal, too. I mean, you're not the same, but you're, you're all right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I live here, Muhammad. <laughs> Blinking twice. Blinking twice. <laughs> Going back to your whole like music career, how it was like, mm, I'm not good at this. Okay, I'm not good at this. Okay, bye. I'm just going to go do something that I am good at. Like, you have, like, even though one can analyze it in a way where it's, um, where you just don't go back into it because you were, like, not even, like, defeated, but it was kind of like, okay, well, something I'm not good at, I'm not going to try. Or I'm not interested. I'm not going to try. Maybe I'll get interested um, kind of thing. So you kind of had this, um, you know what you want kind of thing. Or you, uh, like a confidence in like, okay, well, this isn't worth putting in effort and trying into it. And you have the options to try or not to try or to do or not to do or to continue or not to continue. That's actually a very good assessment of it because... That's another trait I've always had. I I know what I want. I was never... I never chose to go into uh, a music class, right? Mm. And when they told me, listen, <laughs> you're making my ears bleed, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go play with the kids now. You know, it wasn't really a problem for me because it wasn't something I chose for myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, photography is something I chose. Yeah. And if I I've kept my pictures from the very first year I started taking pictures, they are awful, but I've kept them because I want to remind myself how I started. Now, if it was a case of oh I'm bad at this, therefore I'm going to give up, then I would have given up photography, I would have given up videography, and I would have given up writing. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, I love these three creative fields, and I will simply. I will fall down, but then I'll pick myself up, dust myself off, yeah. and then I'll go read some more, or I'll go out and take some more pictures, or I will study more cin cinematography. It's a case of, okay, you know what? I'm not good at this, but I'm not interested in either. I'm not, yeah. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna invest any time yeah. in becoming good. Yeah. Uh, response to the getting knocked down and getting up back up again, even though like it's um, difficult. To, it's it's not like oh I get knocked down and I feel because like sometimes we saw we'll get knocked down and then she'll be like I guess I'm not an artist and then be really sad and like like out of it but it sounds like you kind of have a different perspective and I think that is influenced by both y'all's upbringing especially in light of what we saw was saying at the beginning in terms of like be bold versus being perfect yeah and I and I was going to kind of say like but also I feel like Muhammad and correct me if I'm wrong. Muhammad had a, like, you were able to do what you wanted to do, if that made sense. Like, like I'm uninterested in this, therefore, 
I'm not, or like, like how we're saying, like, you're not, you're not good at it. You're not interested in it. So why put in the time and effort into something that you don't even like want right. to do versus like, um, instead of someone being like, well, you're interested in this, you're not that good at it, or it's a waste of time. It's not a matter of, I'm really interested in this and I'm not good at it. Um, and then you have external, the external impact like really solidifies your self-doubt or really solidifies like, okay, so if everyone thinks I'm not good at it, so therefore I'm not good at it. And maybe I was, if I was told I can't do it, there was this like fire in me. There was like this, like, oh, okay, you think I can't do it? Or I, I are you sure about that? Gonna do it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just like the environment that one is raised in and one grows up in that shapes that ability and disability and this whole artist way thing that we were do- we're doing on the side um it really makes you reflect like to your earliest childhood memories and the villains and the heroes in your life right and it just like one thing that i consistently see is that mm, like siding myself and my brother right we're siblings with the same parents my brother wanted to do something he'd be obsessed with it and he's allowed to do like he has a thing he wants to do it and he gets to do it and then as for me it's like something as similar like silly and, and small as as horseback riding i got to do it and then my dad was like mm, we're not gonna do this anymore pulling the plug it wasn't my decision to stop it was it's so i've had like a like it, like when you have an excessive external like yeah factors that that actively determine what you can and can't do mm-hmm. it really starts to mess you up and it debilitates you and it makes decision making a little difficult because you're forced to have your decisions made for you and i feel like with women that is a lot or it ha- it occurs a lot more than men so after graduating university um you enter the workforce and you enter almost this new era in your life and when that happens to me i start to reflect back on what's already happened not to dwell, but to kind of just digest and defrag mm-hmm. everything. Looking back into my childhood, primary school, secondary school, um, it wasn't the most ideal in the sense that it wasn't just like a good school, be happy, everything's fine. It was a struggle. And I guess this is where we can talk about identity as third culture kids and what Mm. it means and Mm -hmm. you know the Mm -hmm. struggles and i'm sure we'll have plenty more podcasts where we'll talk about this because it is a massive Mm. massive topic Mm -hmm. but just to kind of touch upon it lightly um i went to five different schools and i was bullied in every single one Mm. it Mm. wasn't smooth sailing at all and I think that's where my resilience comes in because it got to the stage where I was spending a lot of time alone. 
and I'm not needing any pity because of that. I actually think that was a blessing because I got to know who I was. There was a lot of me time where I would think about myself, my my own identity, who I was, and where I am in life. Mm-hmm. Even at a very very young age, I was doing this, um, and I think because of that. I know what I want because I know who I am. Mm. I guess that's why there's a heavy emphasis on self-consciousness, self-awareness, knowing your own self. Reflection. Yeah. Not for narcissistic reasons, but for for self-care where yeah. you are comfortable in your own skin. You know what you want. You know what's good for you. You know what's bad for you. So when something yeah. bad happens or when you're in a bad situation, you can step away immediately. You can leave. You're like, you know what? That wasn't good for me because I know who I am and that was not good for me. Yeah. Another word for having an old soul or kind of being mature younger is you've seen the, the bad side of kids, you know? You've uh, you've had to have some kind of resiliency and that self-reflection and that introspection to know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and know your likes and your dislikes. and watch those evolve over time otherwise um you're not an old soul you're just you're just kind of like everybody else so it's a sad thing i'm not i'm a i'm a big believer that you don't need to suffer in order to um gain self-reflection introspection and maturity but Mm -hmm, i -hmm. i I think it definitely that it's definitely a catalyst and something that helps with perspective Thank you so much for listening in. We'll post our future topics on our Twitter and Instagram, both Third Culture Block with a three. This is Mohammed Ismail, Ahmed Mustafa, and we saw Jibril.